welcome back. This is a Cyclone Family Podcast. Happy to have you here joining us once again. Like I said last week, hey, we're back. We're going to be back this week, as promised. No more breaks uh, for as long as I can avoid it. We're getting into the crazy time of the year, but uh, we, we might have to shuffle things around a little bit. We'll see. Uh, but if all goes well, we'll still be here every week because we're going to have a lot of really exciting stuff to talk about. I am, as always, Jamie Steyer Johnson alongside my brother, Eric Steyer. Eric, thanks so much for being here. Yep, happy to be here as always. And I know you're probably sitting there listening to me, like, "Oh yeah, we might have to shift shift our recording times." Like, uh, I don't know about that. I know you're busy, so we'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work. But um, we'll get into the reasoning behind that here in a little bit, which is obviously that basketball season is starting. Uh, but first, we'll we'll talk about it. We gotta talk about it. Um, and that is football versus OU um obviously a a disappointing result um and from what I've been able to glean a disappointing way in which we came to that result which was a loss for Iowa State um but to be honest I I think I mentioned this I I didn't watch it uh I had one of my best friends get married so I was running around all day starting at 10 o'clock and shift, uh, sneaking a glance at my phone every once in a while. So I got, uh, I got statistics. I got a couple highlights. I got uh, a few minutes of watching live. But beyond that, I didn't see a whole lot. And although it seems like maybe I came out on the better end of that proposition, I, I do have a desire to at least know a little bit about what happened. So Eric, if you could give me the Cliff's Notes version of what I should know going forward from the 27 to 13 loss to OU, uh, whether it hurts me or not, let's hear it. Well, just the main problem that I gathered from the game was that Iowa State just could not run the ball at all. I mean, Hunter Deckers led the team with four carries for 31 yards. He had a 28-yard run in there. And other than that, really not much of anything. The two running backs combined for 22 carries for 49 yards. So a little over two yards a carry. And so the offense just could not get anything going. And then since you can't run the ball, you just have to throw the ball pretty much all the time. And so we throw the ball you know, 57 times. Beckers, you know, do the ball way more than you would ever want to and so throw the ball that many times you throw for 308 yards but it's only an average of 5.4 yards and so just not the kind of balance that you want from the offense just really hard to get anything going and of course when you throw the ball that many times it leaves you prone to more interceptions and we end up throwing three interceptions and a couple costly ones at the end there and so again it's mostly a an issue on the offensive side of the ball on defense. I would say that they played solid. The pass coverage was actually really good, especially against a team like Oklahoma with some really good receivers and, you know, watching them all year, they've had a lot of success throwing the deep ball. Um, TJ Tampa, I had a really good game, I thought. And, you know, they had that one busted cup. Oklahoma scored a touchdown on a completely busted coverage where uh, they just had a receiver running wide open, which, 
is somewhat uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic of the uh, Iowa State defense, but we have seen that a few times this year, like against K-State. We saw that a couple of times as well. So it's, I'm sure that's something that the defense wants to get cleaned up. But, you know, Oklahoma, they ran the ball better than most other teams have against Iowa State. They ran for 182 yards. But, again, Oklahoma, that's probably one of the best rushing attacks in the Big 12. So you know, 182 yards, not great, but I'm sure Iowa State would want it to be better on their end defensively. But I guess like I started with, it all starts and ends with the uh, with the offense and not being able to run the ball. And I'm sure, you know, with the way Matt Campbell, the way their style of play is, they that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. And so when you're not able to do that, it really kind of throws the offense out of rhythm. And so they just weren't able to get anything going on offense. And so like in past games, fell behind and then tried to play catch up, but just weren't able to do it at the end. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, there's obviously a lot of detrimental aspects going into a result like that. Um, the, the thing that really caught me and that I wondered about was obviously looking at how much throwing Hunter Deckers had to do in this game and then ending up with three interceptions. To you, did it seem like it was in any way fatigue or just did it seem like it was just you have to pass so many more times than you would want to and you end up making worse decisions out of as a result or good defense i i just i, I mean he's thrown interceptions over the course of the year that's not anything you know completely out of left field but just to see those three uh definitely struck me a little bit yeah, I don't know if it was fatigue. I think it was just more if you throw the ball that many times, it's just that many more chances for something bad to happen. And I think the first one was a deep ball that he threw that was kind of it was a 50-50 ball and the Oklahoma player just made a better play on the ball to get the interception. And then the second one, I think it was a long third down. He kind of got hit as he threw and so he overthrew his receiver and went straight to a defender. And then the last one, I'm not really sure what happened. I think he just didn't see the defender because he just he just threw it straight to the defender, um, the linebacker. So I don't know if his fatigue, more just the fact that when you throw it 57 times, there's 57 chances for you to make a mistake, and he ended up making three mistakes. Or yeah. I, I guess two of them. Yeah, I mean, the first one kind of 50-50, kind of his fault. The second one, I guess, was a bad throw because he got as he threw and he overthrew his receiver and the third one he just obviously didn't see the defender yeah you know it's it's interesting because you as soon as you said you know when you just have more opportunities you're gonna throw more interceptions and so I actually just went and looked and he's got I believe this should be updated 320 attempts on the year and 10 interceptions. And so you'd be looking at an interception about every 32 attempts. And so he only had a little bit over what you would expect in that game, given he had almost 60 attempts. So you only have yeah. one more than you would. So, yeah, it's, you, it's tough. Cause you end up putting a pretty tough position as the quarterback, you end up putting a tough position as the receivers. And it's not like your running backs don't want, be successful but when your your top running back for most of the year ends up banged up and you know it there's really no way for us to know how healthy Jairo Brock really is and then Cartavius Norton obviously 
was out as well. And on top of that, you just have maybe some troubles at the line, things like that. But it's it's really, really tough. Um, it's disappointing to see that happen. The The road to a bowl game for Iowa State seemed like it was going to come down to the idea of being able to protect your home field where you had Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. You're, I mean, three obvious most winnable games on this last stretch all at home. And then you drop the very first one to Oklahoma. And so now you either need to pick one up against a highly ranked opponent on the road in Oklahoma State or TCU, or there is the potential alternative, which is that depending on the number of bowl eligible teams and bowls available technically Iowa State could get in at a five and seven, which at that point, like that's not even a good consolation prize, but it, the path is open. I don't like it. We'll, we'll focus yeah. on the attempt to get to six and six. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, our bowl record is so bad. Like a, part of me just wouldn't even mind playing a Mac team in a bowl game and hopefully getting a win. Just jack one up. Like <laughs> so no one's going to be looking at that. Like in 20 years. We'll just look back and it'll just be another bowl win. No one will yeah, know. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like at that point, if you can get a cheap win, like it, it's a win is a win, you know? Yeah. But I, part of that pursuit would be to beat West Virginia this coming week, of course. Um, and that's, it's interesting. Obviously, it, Big 12 games are always interesting. There's a lot of different factors at play, um, but it part of it is to see Iowa State open as where I saw it a six point favorite. Numbers like Iowa State a lot more than game results do. Analytically, Iowa State is a better team than their record shows. And I mean, I think you would probably know much more about that than I would, but the places that I've seen it, you know, there's, there's a lot of things Iowa state has done well on paper. And then that string of very narrow losses that it, it pretty much all, but Iowa, the close games went against us. So it's, I don't know how much I like, lines as predictors in this particular situation um obviously they've got a good track record in general uh, as far as the sport itself goes but i i put very little value on that in this particular situation because it, iowa state football just makes me nervous right now you're playing another team that's in basically an identical situation to the cyclones as far as full season results go. Um, they are, I think, more disgruntled <laughs> than Iowa State is with the coach. Um, and that's, that's, I believe, a result of not really having a, a couple really good years 
to point to at West Virginia with Neil Brown yet, like Matt Campbell has. There's a lot of people who uh, have have a lot of trust in Matt Campbell, um, and you can point to the success he has had as really good justification for that. And Neil Brown doesn't really have that at West Virginia, and they're starting to really get frustrated over there. Um, but there, there is a contingent of Cyclones that is frustrated with coaching decisions being made here at Iowa State as well. Um, and then on top of that, you you have the same record. Uh, you're three and five, and you both are in a spot where you can say, all right, we've got a handful of games left. And for West Virginia, their remaining schedule is Iowa State, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. And so you've got two out of four games that you probably think are fairly winnable with Iowa State and Oklahoma both being the teams kind of hanging out with you at the bottom of the conference. And then if you can steal one, including a potential home game or a, an actual home game on Kansas State for senior day, maybe they're at six wins. And so you have two really highly motivated teams that are meeting here and both feel like they really, really need a win. And and that just makes me nervous. I don't know if you're on kind of the same wavelength there. Yeah, I think just anytime, right now, anytime a game is projected to be a close game, it, it makes you nervous. And But I'm guessing West Virginia kind of feels the same way, just looking at their schedule. I mean, they blew out Towson, and they actually blew out Virginia Tech. And then they had a close win against Baylor for their three wins. But then they lose a close game to Pitt. They lose a close game to Kansas. And the TCU game was fairly close. So then they uh, get you know, an 18-point loss to Texas and a 38-point loss to Texas Tech. And so I imagine, yeah, you kind of covered that both fan bases probably aren't feeling super confident going into this game, especially for West Virginia. They you know, TCU at home, a highly ranked team, they're probably hyping that game up as maybe a chance to save their season if they could get a win in that game. And now coming off of that game, they, they hang in there for a while and then lose at the end, you know, late touchdown to make it a 10-point game. And so coming to this game, I know Iowa State fans, we, pro- we probably don't feel super confident. I know I don't feel super confident about, you know, about winning the game, knowing that it's probably going to be a close game at the end if you know if Vegas is right but I just think knowing that you know the other team is in the same boat kind of makes us feel a little bit better and um, I and Iowa State they haven't been far off that's the thing they haven't really been blown out at all I know Oklahoma the Oklahoma game Iowa State ended up losing by 14 but it wasn't that big of a blowout to where you feel like you're completely going off the rails and so i feel i feel like we're due for to win one of these hopefully at some yeah i don't know it's just it's it's tough to feel super confident yeah that's the thing is like logically you can look at reasons why iowa state is favored and you see why like you you see the numbers you see results you can look at the way two teams play and you can say, yes, I understand where this is coming from. And then you have the emotional reaction to that, which is I've also seen, you know, the numbers for 
Oklahoma's defense and and how much Iowa State still dr- still struggled against that. I've seen Iowa State lose, you know, so many consecutive one score games, and so it's yeah, it's it's really tough to remove. <laughs> Newsflash: It's tough to remove emotion from being a fan. Like if if fandom yeah. was logical, then you'd only ever have fans of like. Bama and Georgia and Tennessee would have some fans this year too. You know, it's, it's, it's inherently illogical, uh, but especially in situations like this, where you just start into this spiral of negativity and it's obviously exacerbated by being on social media. Like it's generally just a cesspool. Like, I, I, I mean, if I'm the one who, wasn't able to really watch the game and I only saw what Twitter said, I would think that Iowa state had lost by 14 touchdowns and Oklahoma burned down Jack Trice stadium on the way out. You know, like it's just, it's dramatized. Um, and that's not, not to judge, like obviously fans are passionate people, but it gets a little bit excessive sometimes. And so I want to believe in Iowa State's ability this weekend. Uh, winning a homecoming game would be really great. Uh, you, you you have to get out of the tailspin at some point. Hopefully, uh, picking up a, a Big 12 win would be a really great way to do that. But yeah, it's... It's really, it's really tough. You just don't know what team is going to hit the field until you get out there. So uh, we'll see. Like you said, West Virginia has certainly been capable of giving up some points this year. If Iowa State can find a way to find a few of those for themselves, uh, you you can put some trust in the defense again. But it's kind of like you said last week. Like if Iowa State had the opportunity to play from ahead, That'd be great. And so if Iowa State can capitalize on the fact that next weekend is homecoming and I don't know, it's it's tough to judge the motivation of people in this tough of a situation. But you'd hope that the players can look at it and say, hey, you know, there's there's still things to play for. There's still things to accomplish in this season as opposed to hanging their heads, knowing the culture that's been built around that program. I would very much hope that that wouldn't be the case. Uh to have people hanging their heads and things like that. So get some motivation, go out there and and hope for a really great homecoming win. That's, I mean, that's, I think the prescription to maybe untilt the fan base a little bit. Cause if next weekend goes poorly, I, I don't even want to imagine it because it'd be about as bad of a place that I think the fan base and program has been in for a long time 20 yeah the mid 2010s probably. yeah yeah about it about as bad as it's been since then so mm-hmm. I mean, it's not I like can't even look ahead and think about that because i mean i we've played good good in stretches like you think the texas game like yeah just remember like texas had almost beat alabama with their backup quarterback and then we go iowa state goes in there and you know almost is in this almost is in the same situation as alabama was and you know, Texas had yours playing the whole game for that one. So it's not like it's not like Iowa State is in a completely 
it's not like we've been an abysmal team. Like it's not really comparable to the to the some of the teams that we've had in the past where just you know every time you go out that you don't have a chance. I mean, this team right. you feel like you have a chance every time out. It's just the record right now is kind of matches. Well, and that's that's what past, makes but... it feel worse, is that you yeah. know you have the potential to be in these games. You know you were in these games. In the past, you knew what the situation was going into it. Like maybe you would talk yourself into having some hope and you'd start off the season optimistic, but then it was the same old, same old. And you just go and hope to have a good time tailgating and maybe you see like a good play. But now the expectations are higher. And so that's great. They've had success, but you now have to deal with the consequences of of having higher expectations and having fans demand more from a program. And so that's certainly not a negative thing. Uh, you you should demand excellence from programs. Um, but it, it just makes the situation a lot tougher to say, yeah, the on the field product is so superior to what we were seeing back then, but to have the results be really similar records it is what makes it so hard to stomach. And so for Iowa state here, really at this point, regardless of the bowling situation, like that is what it is. You, like I said, you're picking up an upset and that's assuming you take care of business against the two teams that you should have a shot at uh, but just go out there and show people that we're not still back in, you know, the, the dark ages of Iowa State football. Like, remind them, hey, we've got potential here. Like, let's see some good offense from Hunter Deckers, who still has several years, hopefully, to play here at Iowa State and continue to improve and evolve. And, you know, it's it's tough. I just want to see you win. Like I'm so sick of the close losses again, this time at least it was two touchdowns. So you have a little bit less of the what if, but that came late. I want to see a win. I think I might go to the game too. So that'd be great. If I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> Controversial opinion. I know I'm, I'm full of hot takes here. I would like for my football team to win. All right. Well, I can tell you one thing. Um, I do feel like we have we have won with uh, with the home field apparel that we have. I need to order a sweatshirt because rumor has it the weather's getting cold. But I continue to get more merchandise from them. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about this soon, but they've got a couple sports specific shirts they do have a football shirt they do have basketball shirts they've got two specific iowa state basketball shirts i would highly highly recommend going and checking those out at homefieldapparel.com uh super comfy really great vintage logos but the basketball ones hey basketball season's coming up we are literally about to talk to it as soon as i finally bring this ad to a close as we know i like to ramble on them uh but home field you may want to start thinking about iowa state volleyball shirt I don't know if there's a volleyball sigh, but it might be worth looking into. That's our next topic. But if you are intrigued by whatever this ad is, uh, it's it's comfy clothes, it's comfy sweatshirts, t-shirts. You'll love them. Head to homefieldapparel.com. You're going to use the code CYCLONE12 at checkout. It's going to get you 15% off your first order. Highly recommend ordering now because as it gets closer to the holidays, 
They are going to start having extended delivery times usually because Homefield is a very popular gift. So, hey, it is almost November. Depending on when you're listening to this, it may be November. And it's time to start thinking about holiday shopping. So head to homefieldapparel.com. They've got Iowa State. They also have every single team in the Big 12 and the future Big 12. They've got, I mean, almost every team you could think of beyond that. Uh, So go ahead, grab it for your favorite college sports fan, your favorite fan of weird off-the-wall vintage logos. You can do your shopping for a lot of people there. Again, homefieldapparel.com. Use code CYCLONE12 at checkout. It's going to get you 15% off your first order. All right. As I was saying, volleyball. Homefield likes to prepare logos and, and merchandise and stuff and then drop it when a team does something good. I'm telling you, volleyball continues their absolute heater. And I am thrilled. I'm so excited. I've said I love volleyball. Um, unfortunately, the matches did not line up for me to watch them this week because I I don't know the reasoning, but their Wednesday match against West Virginia was at 4 o'clock Central. So the, I, I was working. Uh, and then TCU on Friday was at 6.30 and I was driving to the wedding I was talking about. So uh, did not get to watch them. So do not have like specifics there. Uh, but beat West Virginia 3-0, beat TCU 3-1, had both the offensive and defensive player of the week last week in the big 12, um, which is really, really big. I mean, look, that makes sense coming off of a match where you beat an undefeated team, right? Like you're going to have some pretty big individual performances. Um, But I think what is even more notable is that neither of them were Eleanor Holthouse, which is kind of the, the steadiest, not the steadiest for sure, but like the, the most known player on the team, someone who you know is going to be really reliable. Um, and it was Annie Hatch on offense. And I'm not remembering off the top of my head who defense was. And the Big 12 website is down. So let me try it again. Yeah, that's weird. Also had the defensive player of the week. If I can recall it, I will throw her name in here I'll, because she I'll, obviously I'll, deserves I'll do some research real quick while okay. you continue okay. talking. <laughs> All right. Excellent. I appreciate you. That's why we have two people on this show. But, I mean, that's that's really exciting. And then you've got people putting an eye. I got it. Was... I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Let's hear no, it. Go, you, nope. Uh, who was it? Who was it? Stone Street. Exactly. Who, fun fact, just found this out, the niece of Eric Stone Street actor Cam from Modern Family. I actually I actually did know that. You did? Yeah. Yeah, did you I, see the same I remember post seeing I some, Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean that's that's exciting. Uh they've been getting really good crowds for the home matches, which is great. Like I said, uh hope more and more people keep going to those because they're a blast. But you know, you're looking at some some stuff that hasn't been done for a long time. For Iowa State, this is the first time since 2013 they've won seven straight conference matches. 
Um, you've got people who are setting records. Eleanor Holthouse broke the record this week for the most sets played at Iowa State. She got her 1400th career kill. Uh, it, it's just fun. Volleyball is just so fun to watch. And especially at a time when the sport that most people are watching maybe isn't always the fun, the, the most fun to watch, you know, it, it, the most followed sport at Iowa State is football and that's fine. But if you're a little bit fatigued of what's going on there, if you're feeling frustrated, there's, there's so many good things still happening at Iowa state. And like I said, I, th- I think that volleyball is accessible. You can watch it and you can pretty quickly understand like just the bare minimum enough to cheer enough to have fun with it. So uh, to see the success they're having is amazing. They are sitting at second in the conference right now in a really talented conference. Um, we're recording this Sunday night, so I I won't be able to see the rankings. They won't come out until I believe they come out on Mondays like most do. Uh, but they should be ranked this week. They were uh, the third highest team receiving votes last week and then one, two more. So uh, I do think they should be ranked this week. And that's going into a week where they've got two more winnable matches. Um, I, I don't really understand the specifics of volleyball scheduling, but they've got a non-conference game midweek. So they're playing Chicago state. On there's the only first. nine, there's only nine big 12 volleyball teams. So I'm guessing. There's oh, a bye week Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Oklahoma, I didn't is it think Oklahoma about State. That. That, I think Oklahoma State. Yeah, I guess that didn't occur to me. That's yeah. It must be something to do with getting enough matches with that. Then okay, good call. So they've got Chicago State here midweek. Um, who? Not not a lot of wins on the season, uh, for Chicago State. So hopefully that should be one that Iowa State can maybe snag. The Tuesday night game, and then they've got Kansas State on Friday, which this is a big revenge game. Iowa State got 3-0'd at K-State earlier in the season, and statistically, they're a fairly comparable team. Iowa State has the better record on the season, as well as in Big 12 play by a pretty wide margin, so I'd be thinking that they would have this kind of circled on their calendar as saying, like, there's no way we should have lost three sets to nothing at their place. They've pulled together a lot since then. They have been playing so well uh, that I think that they can look at that as an opportunity to kind of have a statement win and show how much they've improved over the course of big 12 play. And those two games are what they've got this week to prepare them for a huge rematch next week, which I'll talk about next weekend. Uh, and that's going to Texas. But I would say volleyball in such an incredible position right now. Uh, just a really, really exciting time for this program. Rapidly approaching the end of the season. You know, you're only playing into November as far as regular season play goes. Their last regular season game is November 23rd. So if you're thinking of trying to get out there to a game, I know that football's still going on. I know that we're getting basketball started. But there's a handful of home games left. In fact, there's one, two, three, 
there's four home matches left. Okay. So I, I really, really recommend if you've got an opportunity, especially if you live in close proximity to Ames, they're an absolute blast to go to. Uh, but you got to support this team. Christy Johnson-Lynch Johnson is an amazing coach, amazing person. Um, and and why would you not want to support an Iowa State team doing well? So uh, huge, huge for them. So excited for this week. And we've got some other sports going on at Hilton, too. Because on Wednesday, you've got an exhibition game going on in Hilton. You've got Iowa State women's basketball against Winona State. And I... I couldn't be more excited. It it means I'm cleaning my house all this week because we don't broadcast exhibition games on the radio, so I'm not working on Wednesday. But after this week, uh, my life is basically like my day job in sports. I don't get my own life anymore, but that's that's fine. It's worth it because of how excited I am about this season. You've got... Like I said, women's basketball, Winona State, it's an exhibition game. Um, a team that lost their top four players from last year. Their head coach retired, so they have a new coach. She's real young. Uh, she was a legendary player at Winona State. So uh, probably going to be a hungry team. Um, I, I'm not going to say that it will be probably, hopefully, super super competitive but that's kind of the way these exhibition games work uh nature of the beast but look i can't wait there's regardless of the level of competition there's some really big things that i think fans can start getting from just watching this team take the court we still don't know who the fifth starter is you know you've got four pretty solidly locked up you've got three preseason all big 12 selections in Lexi Narski, Emily Ryan, and the preseason big 12 player of the year, Ashley Jones. Um, so they're, they're going to be in the starting lineup. And then you've got Steph who's coming in and you're, you're probably going to be starting your six, six girl, at least at Iowa state, other teams may get to choose their, their big poison. Um, but I think that the five spot is pretty well locked up there as well. But you've got a lot of different options that you can slot in into that fourth starting spot. And so, I mean, Danae Fritz was starting last year before she was injured to begin the year. You had um, Nymir Dew, of course, had some really, really great time uh, starting for Iowa State and um, is is a threat at a lot of different levels. And then, Hey, you've got more bigs now. And so you can go big. You could start someone like Morgan Kane, who is, who is pretty consistent and dependable and depending on the matchup. I don't think that Winona state is a particularly tall team. So I don't, I don't think it'll be Morgan, but there's a lot of interesting things that you can see, even just from the starting lineup. Um, people are going to be shooting. Iowa state's going to be shooting. Uh, no matter, no matter what game it is, no matter what year it is, there's going to be some shooting happening. And so you can see how well people are shooting at the very least. And of course, you're going to have a lot of different lineups. You're going to have different roles throughout the course of the season, as well as in an opportunity, like an exhibition game where you can try some different things out. You can throw something kind of weird out there and see if it maybe looks good. Uh, you can get some really interesting stuff coming out of these exhibition games. So is there anything that you're really looking forward to or hoping? 
hoping to see from Iowa State in this first little glimpse of this year's team? Um, well, I'm just kind of excited just to see how everything blends together. I know that there was a lot of returning pieces from last year, and so it may seem like it'll just look the same as last year, but you do have some new faces, especially adding a 6 exposed player. I think I'm just excited to see how how the whole group, how it affects everybody's roles, just having that presence in there and having some people bring people back from injuries and having a couple of newcomers, even though there are a lot of people, a lot of returners from last year, I think that the potential with adding those newcomers, it'll, you know, I'm just excited to see how that boosts the team and what looks different last year. And just kind of seeing how that goes. I mean, in the exhibition games, it's, Sometimes it's hard to take a whole lot away, but that's probably what I would be looking forward to the most. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that the people who play really well in exhibition games may not be the people who play as well during the regular season or even play as much during the regular season. A lot of times exhibition games are used to give people some minutes they may not have otherwise, or maybe flesh out who's going to be successful where. But in the end of the day, you get to see people out on the floor. And it occurs to me that it, it's likely that if you're listening to this show, you probably know of us in relation to basketball. But on the off chance, you're not. Like, maybe you don't know about the the new addition to the team. Like, you probably know about Ashley Jones, two-time Cheryl Miller Award winner, Uh preseason AP All-American, preseason Big 12 Player of the Year, like all of that terrific, huge score. You've got Emily Ryan, who's a terrific point guard. Um, she she and Ashley are actually both nominated for Hoop Hall Awards. You may as well rename the Cheryl Miller Award the Ashley Jones Cheryl Miller Award if she wins it a third time this year, because I don't know that that'll ever be done again. Um, repeating twice is, is unreal, frankly. And Iowa State kind of owns that award between Bridget Carlton winning it the one time and then twice for Ashley Jones. So she's looking to three-peat. And then Emily Ryan is also on the shortlist for Nancy Lieberman Award, uh, the point guard award. So those are huge. Lexi Donarski, last year's Big 12 Player of the Year, um, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, but what women's basketball has not had as often at Iowa State is the big post, like you mentioned, and that's Stephanie Suarez, the two-time NAIA Division One Player of the Year. Um, really, really talented. Could shoot from outside. The, don't worry. At Iowa State, even your 6'6 players can shoot. Um, but it's it's really exciting to have the potential to see these players all together because like you said, it, it, it's a lot of returning pieces, but the couple new people that you can slot in there change things a lot. Having Danae Fritz back changes things a lot defensively as far as your offensive options on having guards around the perimeter. She's a great slasher. Um, and then you've got a 6-6 post. Like I said, that takes pressure off of your backup posts who then can focus on the fact that they can go in and play fewer minutes and be really productive in those minutes. You know, Morgan Kane has been so, so, so steady last year, um, struggled at times just because of the situation she was put in. But being able to come off the bench should be a huge boost for her, I think. I think she's really, really well suited to that role. And then if Beatrice Jordao can 
get herself healthy, get out there. Uh, she's a great person to be able to throw in there a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of new, new roles for people. It's the same person, but you're going to be seeing them do different things. Um, and so there's, there's a lot to be excited about. And there's a lot that fans are going to see early in the season that I think might surprise them. You're going to see people doing things that they weren't doing last year. Or maybe they weren't doing as well last year. And that's such an incredible place to be in as a team and as a fan to have such a successful team coming back and being able to add to their skill set and continue to improve. So all of that to say that regardless of the competition that Iowa state faces early in the season, I'm excited and everyone should be really excited to see what happens. And truly you do have good high level competition coming up, which obviously we'll talk about in coming weeks, but um, you're, you're going out to the Phil Knight classic and you're going to have some really good games out there. So everything you're doing in these next couple weeks is leading up to that tournament over Thanksgiving. Uh, but it all starts on Wednesday. And so I'm excited to get to AMs and get to go. I get to go watch and I'm, I'm going to cheer really loud because that's my one opportunity to go and cheer at a game because <laughs> it's, it's frowned upon to straight up cheer when you're supposed to be an analyst, but uh doesn't stop me once in a while from internally internally always and like a like a mild celebration in a really professional manner sometimes on the radio maybe always professional yes always professional i've never never once been unprofessional in my life is what i've heard that's that's what the reviews are saying <laughs> that's what i've heard too <laughs> Don't if you don't do any research, this is all accurate. Yes. <laughs> never, never Completely. find video footage of me against Baylor senior night of 2020. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, last notable thing for this week, like I mentioned, Emily Ryan is nominated for the Nancy Lieberman Award and Ashley Jones for the Cheryl Miller Award. Uh, those are for the best in their respective positions from Hoopal. And then on the men's basketball side, um, we do actually have a nominee over there as well. So Oshun Oshuni is nominated for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, which is for the best five men in the country. And the the big thing of note for this, especially for Iowa State fans, is that fan voting is already open. I actually saw someone talk about this a little bit on Twitter, uh, but I, I really haven't seen this posted or talked about very much. So I wanted to make sure we helped get the word out that you can vote once a day on, let me confirm uh, our URL here, but if you go to, well, I can't spell. And, and I can't apparently prepare all the things that I wanted to prepare before I started. <laughs> but if you go to, um, well, I suppose you could go to hoopall.com, but then that's going to be a whole bunch of links. So let me, let me find where our words are. I might cut this out, but now that I said that, I'm probably not going to because I'm really lazy. No, it's Hoopall Awards. Dot com. That's going to get you to last year's winners, of which 
Ashley Jones is obviously one of them. You can see the full list of nominees. But obviously the important part is to vote for both the men's and women's awards. The ones of note for the women are point guard and uh, what do they call it? Small forward. Yeah, small forward. Uh, those are the two with Iowa State nominees, as well as uh, the center award on the men's side for our Iowa State nominees. Do that daily. Um, I Frankly, I don't know how heavily it's weighted uh, as far as the decisions go, but it can't hurt. You know, why not vote for your your players on your favorite team? So get out there. Start voting now. Vote early. Vote often daily make it part of your routine uh and you can start voting and then you can start watching and watching will will remind you to vote because we got basketball coming up so eric make sure you're voting i'll do you want me to text you every day when i'm voting make sure you vote too sure okay i'll just i can just make a i can make a sign up on twitter and i'll just uh individually i'm not gonna individually message anyone but i'll I'll maybe, maybe if I can remember to even post the episode, these episodes on Twitter, maybe I can remember uh, to remind people to vote. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'll try my best. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, that's, that's all we've got this week. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to have to get things a little bit tighter. I'm going to have to really prepare because going forward, things are going to be fast and furious. We're going to have, even more to talk about if that's possible. So I promise I will, I will learn the meaning of professionalism. I'll continue to improve as a podcast host, a fairly, a, a newer role for me. Appreciate you sticking it out with me, Eric. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for uh, lending more professionalism probably to the podcast than anyone's getting from me. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. We'll talk football. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk volleyball. We'll talk, well, men's and women's basketball. Um, I default to women, so I was about to say we'll talk men's basketball. Um, we'll talk anything interesting happening in the world of cyclone athletics. Uh, and I hope that you will join us. This is Cyclone Family Podcast. I'm Jamie Steyer Johnson alongside Eric Steyer. We are a part of the 1012 Network. If you're interested in any other teams in the Big 12, if you want to hear their perspectives, go find. We've got shows for almost everyone on the 1012. Go ahead and follow them. Uh, and we also are partnered with Sports Drink. We love all of them, as well as Homefield, Homefield Apparel. Go there. Use code Cyclone12. That helps us too. So, yeah, that's it, guys. That's all I got for you. We'll be back next week. Yeah.